It's March. It's actually officially the first day of spring today. Yes, it is. Does it feel like spring in Virginia? Nope. uh, It was 47 at noon today. I think it's supposed to get to 56, but I think that's a pipe dream. So um, it is currently 47. Does it feel like spring in California? Um, Well, it did over the weekend. I managed to get a little bit of a sunburn. But, um, (laughs) yeah, that was my own fault. I didn't put sunscreen on when I sat out on the patio for 15 minutes reading my book yeah it's it's been beautiful and sunny here it's just been cold yeah today it's today it's a little chillier but not by I mean it's 65 so I'm really not complaining yeah it's not raining so that's yeah that's a positive so I'm Melissa Lowe and you're Kyle Jennings yes let's talk uh club management and we're so excited uh to be talking to you all this month uh we have some great guests and great information to share this is very exciting because technically this is the second podcast this month (laughs) it is (laughs) but that's really only because February's didn't happen in February we'll blame conference for that it's fine yeah Nashville conference. It's okay. (laughs) But yes, this month we have, well, I guess this, this second half of this month, (laughs) we have some uh, really exciting guests. I mean, we're going to be joined by our new um, chairman of the board, Mr. Randy Reuter. He sits down and talks with us about his vision for the next year and sort of his three areas of uh, focus and what he sees coming down the pike for CMAA. And we also have a great idea fair um, entry that we're going to showcase. And this is from Champions Run in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, They were the winners of the Showstopper Award, correct, Melissa? The Showstopper? That's it, yeah, the Showstopper winner. Yeah. In the category of environmental impact. So a really cool uh, cool idea and some great tips for other clubs who are trying to reduce their environmental impact um, and become more eco-friendly, so... And obviously very timely currently um, in the current global climate climate change conversation, um, really being cognizant of what kind of uh, footprint businesses have on the overall environment and the small ways in which changes can be made to reduce that impact. So it's a really great conversation that we have with them. Um, And yeah, it's going to be a great episode. Absolutely. So before we get started, uh, we'll throw our CMA news and notes in. So uh, please be on the lookout for the invitation to participate in the 2019 Finance and Operations Survey. It's coming from our partner, Industry Insights. All professional and alumnus members will receive the invitation, and we ask that you coordinate completion within your club with the appropriate staff member. So the form is going live this week, the week of March 20th, and you can also... uh, Access the survey site by registering on CMA's research portal. So visit our website, click on research, and it will take you to the information you need to fill that out. I also want to uh, take an opportunity to make a quick advocacy note, (laughs) um, an issue of uh, significant interest to the club industry is that the Department of Labor has come out with the new proposed overtime rule. The information came out on March 7th. Um, So this information is proposed, but the new rule will increase the salary threshold to $35,308. So uh, there's a lot of other information uh, specific to that. We could probably have a whole podcast just talking about that rule and what it could potentially mean. We should do that. Uh, 
we, we will. We will. We'll definitely an advocacy podcast, perhaps in April. I like it. To coincide with National Golf, Golf Day. Day. Um, or actually, maybe May. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but visit the legislative report. If you visit CMA's website um, and click on resources, you'll find the link to legislative report to get all the details what's included in the proposed regulation. So good stuff. Good so, stuff. Oh, that was the train. That was the train. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that's those are obviously very important things to note. Uh, research is one of the biggest things that we do at CMAA. Uh, it's one of the best pieces of information for you all as members. So participating in it obviously pays it forward, um, not only to yourself, but to your peers. Uh, so definitely check out that information and always stay up to speed on what's going on legislatively. Melissa does a great job of keeping the legislative report up to date almost every week because it feels like something new is happening every time we open our eyes. Um, but sh- you can always find that online. Um, and now we would like to kick it into our interview with Randy Ruder. But we'll go ahead and get started. So first, thank you for joining us, Randy. It's always a pleasure. Sure. Um, we would like to talk to you today a little bit about your, like I said, your ascension to the position of chairman um, on the CMAA board and sort of what your vision for the next year is. Um, you, you outlined a few things in your speech at World Conference, then again in our um, the email to the membership. But uh, do you want to talk a little bit about those three uh, topics? Absolutely. So uh, uh, I'm honored to, to be the chair and honored to do this, and it, it feels like it's been a long time in the making. Um, going into a little bit more of my background than I, than I did in my speech, um, I kind of grew up in the restaurant business. Um, actually, grew up on a farm and went into the restaurant business to get away from the farm and um, really, really fell in love with it. More, more back of the house, but um, knew that I wanted to do restaurants, which led me to go to the University of Wisconsin Stout to study hospitality. So I went there, um, double majored in business and in hospitality, um, took a minor in psychology, and, and I laugh about that now because I probably should have just majored in psychology because a lot of hospitality is, is dealing with psychology Absolutely. as much as it is about dealing with business and hospitality. <laughs> but uh, So um, um, during my, my junior year, so my third year of five years in college with a double major, I needed to do an internship, so it was obvious to me that I was going to go to France to, to work in a restaurant. But I couldn't coordinate an internship with my school and France that was going to be less than one year. And, and my parents at the time were not thrilled that I was on the five-year plan to begin with. So a six, year, six years wasn't, wasn't part of the equation. So I started looking into New York City, into a restaurant, and I ran into the same hurdles that, that anybody that wanted to hire an intern wanted them for a year. So I found the Country Club of Troy had a, a part kitchen and part um, front of the house position um, in, a, in a private golf club, something that I was not familiar with. Um, where I grew up, we didn't have, I think there was a public golf course, but there certainly wasn't um, private country clubs. So I, I took that job just to be in New York and, and get experience in the club, and it kind of changed my perspective on everything. Um, I was intrigued by 
the facilities, um, I'll say the wealth, um, not so much the wealth of the, of the membership, although there was that, but the, the amount of money that they spent on facilities, on, in the kitchen, the equipment, the, the quality of food that would come in, um, the investment in the staff, and, and you know, uh, um, the, the volume of team we had to produce these great things, and then all the events that we did and the parties. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and then when I was in the front of the house, the same thing happened. I, I just saw a whole different way of doing things. So I, I went back to Stout, joined the student chapter of CMAA, and was totally intrigued by this industry. And you know, participated in student chapter activities, did the did the student club tours. Um, got to my senior year, my fourth year of college, did another internship, came back to New York this time, Elmwood Country Club in White Plains, and had a very positive experience again. And I, I was like, this is kind of for me, but the restaurant thing was in the back of my head. And, and I started interviewing for jobs, and I had an offer with Houston Restaurant Corporation, which, which, was, which was a company that I was fond of, even though I never worked with them. But I was toying with, the, what, what do I want to do? Do I want to try this club thing? And so I had learned of Eric Caspers. Um, he was kind of known as the godfather of club management in, in, in the Westchester area. And I never met him, so I thought I, I would come out, and I flew myself out on, on spring break and came to Beach Point and essentially convinced him to, to hire me to be a, a postgraduate intern just for a summer so I could see that, is there a career in club management for me or should I go the, the restaurant route? And he, he hired me. I went back to, to Stout, told my family, told all my friends, told my professors that I accepted a job. I'm going to New York um, after graduation. Um, about a week later, he called me and he said, you know, I'm sorry to do this. I, I don't want an intern. I don't need an intern. I don't know what to do with an intern. Um, you flew out here, and I couldn't tell you no, but I, 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 I don't have a job for you. And I was very disappointed um, and embarrassed because that was my plan, and I told everybody that. And how could I tell everybody that before I even started? I, I've been fired, and I'm, and I'm not going. So I, I, I said, please let me come. I'll even work for free for the summer. I just want to learn. And he said, fine, come on out. So I came out. He did pay me. And long story short, I, I never left. Um, I, I worked the summer at the end of the summer. The assistant manager position came available. Um, I became the assistant manager. In a few years, I was looking to get more experience. The, you know, he promoted me clubhouse manager. And then after, like, five years of those different roles, I said, I think it's time for me to get more experience because I want to be a general manager. And he, he encouraged me to stay. He said that he's retiring in the next year and that he would groom me to replace him. And, and so he did. So in my late 20s, I, I, I became the general manager, um, received my CCM, and, and just became very active in the local chapter metropolitan and then nationally serving on committees. So when I, when I say CMA was with me my whole career, it, it really has. You know, It, it kind of guided me and, and made me excited about this industry. So I'm thrilled to be becoming the chair. And, and kind of a long story to get there, but 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 it's great. That's awesome, Randy. And I want to say, like your story, I think is a similar experience that many of our student members have, where they may not have been exposed to the club industry or the club space um, previous to coming to school and starting to study hospitality. Um, but after their first experience in a club, I think oftentimes their eyes are open to this wealth of possibility and opportunity that's available to them. Um, 
And I think that that's fantastic that you're sort of a living embodiment of what that experience can, can do. Um, kind of piggybacking off of that, the first initiative that you mention in your letter is the Student Development Task Force. And I know students are a, a passion of yours. Um, you and I work closely together uh, with students. So can you tell me a little bit about what that task force is going to look like and what their goals are? Absolutely. This this, this was a no-brainer. Um, Mark Beto, the, the vice chair, um, will, be, will be chairing this task force. And we've assembled... Um, great people from across the United States that, that either have a passion for developing students that were student members, um, that have been involved with student chapters. And, and since, we've, since we've started this, I, I think I've gotten two or three dozen more people expressing interest to, to volunteer and to serve and assist. So we will definitely pull them into the process some way, somehow, maybe through surveys or through interviews to try to, to try to pick their brains, or definitely whatever action we end up taking to try to help facilitate those actions across, across the United States. Um, but, but, you know, there, there's several different parts to the students. One is, how are we getting the best and brightest minds interested in club management? Absolutely. So how, what is being taught in the colleges? Is club management in each of the hospitality schools? How are the student chapters formed and, and advised? You know, what, what resources do they have? What resources, what connections do they have to make sure that they're, they're teaching club management and making it seem fun and making it seem like a viable path? So, so that's one piece of it. Um, the second piece of it is then getting the students, the, the, the bright minds, the great hospitality students, then to go into club management as a profession. And when I spoke to the students, I joked about how, you know, unlike Red Lobster, nothing against Red Lobster, you know, we don't hand out stuffed Red Lobsters or um, we, we don't have all the, the giveaways to, to, at job fairs to make clubs seem like the, the fun way to go. Um, so how do we how do we attract um, these bright minds to go into club management as a profession once they graduate? And then the third piece of it, and it's probably one of the harder pieces, is once we get them, how do we get them to stay? And right. and because each of our clubs is different, some clubs have amazing training programs. Some clubs have great. Um, incentives for advancement. Some clubs have a clear path of do this position for six months or a year and then you move here and then you move there and we'll we'll fund your CCM and we'll you know we'll send you to all the BMIs. But not all clubs have that. And and how how do we keep these great people in the club industry and not be tempted by the big hospitality or the big hotel chains that say, you know, come work for us and, you know, you'll work a year in Geneva and then we'll send you to New Zealand and then right. we'll send you to St. Louis. You know, so, so it, none of this is going to be simple, but, but I think that we can, we can make it better and we can show students that this is a viable career path and it's something worth staying in. And, you know, the benefits are clearly there. You know, the, the, um, in, in the form of hospitality management, um, club management pays higher than the others. And not that everyone cares about the paycheck. There, there is a reward at the end of it um, that we have to help make students understand. So that, that, that's the first thing. <laughs> well, and I'm, like I said, I'm very excited about that initiative because um, I see so much opportunity with our student program um, and there are a lot of challenges, certainly, but I think with some bright minds on the task, we're, uh, we're well positioned to make some positive changes in that area. Um, your, okay, so your second 
initiative that you talked about is bringing greater awareness to the Club Resource Center. And we've had the Club Resource Center for a number of years, but um, what what are your goals for sort of bringing that to the forefront and highlighting that to our membership? I, I think, unfortunately, that, that a lot of the membership still doesn't get it or understand it, and, and it's so valuable. I think you even did a, a podcast on it. Uh, um, already and and there there's been um there's been an evolution of this i mean premier club services from from the last decade um what was a similar program but it's it's as good as it's ever been right now with with just amazing programs put to it you know and and some members don't understand that why is this not free you know i i pay my cmaa dues but um you know it's to create the awareness for them to understand that this is a resource for the entire club to use that that our memberships are personal that the resource center is is a club program and that you can get your whole staff have access and it, it can track training and it can do things in English and Spanish. Um, you know, it can, it, it can just really be the resource and there's, there's customization to it that you can put your own orientation videos in and such. So you can really have this be the, the training source that everybody goes to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I mean, We've worked hard over the past couple of years to um, bring more awareness to the wealth of resources that are available through Club Resource Center, but I think making it a strategic priority is can only bring more positive um, understanding of what that is to the membership. One hundred percent, and and you know, and and CMA's you know recent focus on research really plays into this as well because the resource pieces are housed there, the, the survey data um, is housed there, and it, and it allows people that are, are part of this to go in and do the comparables and such. So I think, I think as, as the awareness grows, the um, subscription volume is going to grow, and the satisfaction with it is going to grow immensely. It just takes a little bit for people to understand it. <laughs> yes, it does. It's a little complicated, <laughs> but we're working on it. We'll get there. Um, yes. All right. So last but not least, and I'll let Melissa, I'll let you talk a little bit. I feel like I'm bogarting this conversation. <laughs> That's okay. So the third avenue that you, you brought forward um, is really to um, complete the work of the chapter national alignment task force. And that's been a, a two year project um, that's been undertaken. So what, what are your thoughts on, on finishing that project? So, so the, the the big piece of this really is that that this is the last year of the of the strategic plan. Um, when when Jeff Morgan came in, you know he he led us through and you know a new strategic initiative that that went really well, and the last five years have been spent tackling that. So this year, um, we need to develop the new strategic plan, which would go into effect next year. And, you know, Jeff's vision, which, which the board is fully supportive of, is to bring the club, ma- the club management community together again at LLC. So it's the strategic partners, it's the chapter leaders, it's chapter members, and, and to really focus on, you know, where were we, what did we accomplish, where are we going, and then working together as a group to figure that out. Um, the, the work that we're doing with Student Task Force will definitely play into that. The completion of this national chapter alignment will definitely play into that. Um, you know, a lot of good ideas have been coming out of that, that alignment task force. Now it needs to be presented and, and, and put out for, you know, 
for, for conditioning and absorption, and then eventually the board will need to vote on some of these ideas. But that will all take place over this next year. So, um, you know, as I mentioned in my speech, and I think in my article, everybody needs to be involved in this because this is all of our association. So, you know, the survey that's out right now, it's important that people complete that. Um, you know, talk to chapter leaders and, and make sure you send your chapter leaders to LLC um, so that, there, that there's a voice locally um, at that meeting and at that discussion setting that strategic plan. And then, you know, most people know the national board, too, or have connection to, to multiple ones of them. So, you know, the, the national board is great. They're all willing to, to, you know, take the phone and, you know, listen and, and, and bring things not only to board meetings but, but to that strategic planning session. And, you know, and, and another big piece of that also is the staff, you know, and, and I've said this over and over. We have the most amazing staff, you know, Melissa and Kyle and all of you. Thank you. You guys do such great things. And, and you are part of that strategic process also. And, and I know a, a lot of the membership is comfortable calling all of you. So, um, you know, the membership is encouraged to do that, too, if they know the staff best so that the staff can bring these ideas not only to the, to the committee meetings, but, you know, to the strategic planning session at LLC. Absolutely. Another opportunity to do some co-creation together as a whole association and not just uh, leaving it to an oligarchical group somewhere. <laughs> Exactly. Absolutely. Well, it's great that we have such a, a, a strong opportunity for that from the survey, you know, through committee weekend, through national, through the national events, to to kind of bring that all together. So, Randy, we've talked a lot about your work and and what you've done professionally. Tell us what you like to do when you're not at Beach Point Club, which, by the way, is the most beautiful club. If you didn't have a chance to see Randy's video, um, which we shared via YouTube and through his email, um, it is the most beautiful club um, that I've seen in recent years. So. I'm still salty I didn't get to go on that field trip. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and um, it was funny when Melissa was here. Um, she was sitting in the office while we were dealing with some things, and she she got to deal with a, a member complaint where someone came in and said, "There's a snake in the fitness center," and, uh, and it was it was kind of comical because there really was a snake, but um, because of because of um, programming issues, we had a, a double booking where a kids' activity with a snake moved into the place where they were also going to do a class. So it was it was kind of a comical day, <laughs> but you know. Outside of Beach Point, um, you know, these days there's not a lot of outside of Beach Point. Um, um, Beach Point keeps me very busy. We're undergoing a, a $5 million um, bar refreshment and casual dining upgrade, so that, that keeps me busy. And, and working and traveling with CMA takes up a lot of my free time, which I, which I love doing. Um, outside, of, outside of that, I'm very involved in, in many charities and, and many local um, organizations and chapters. So I try to use my connections and resources to, to help, you know, help those charities and help raise money for, for students, for scholarships, and, and, and for other things. And then as I have time, too, and as I travel, I, I love wine and I love food and, and I love my involvement in, in the International Wine Society. And so I, I think I, I spend my little free time eating and drinking, which is which is just fine. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, a, that's probably the best hobby you could have. Exactly. It's like goals, truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities. 
Well, I think that kind of wraps up the questions that we had for you today, Randy. Um, we really appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk with us, and we're really looking forward to what this next year has in store. Excellent. Thank you so much. I enjoyed, I enjoyed spending time with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. We are so excited to have the showstopper winner from the 2019 Idea Fair here with us today in the category of environmental impact. We have Andy Reeds, the CEO and GM of Champions Run in Omaha, Nebraska, along with Ben Lorenzen, the creative director, who helped bring this idea to fruition. So we're so excited to have you guys with us today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So tell us about the idea. Where did it come from? Well, you know, the idea really came from a group effort. So we, uh, you know, our club just turned 27 years old. Um, our owner, um, you know, cer- certainly, you know, making sure that we are recycling has always been something that's kind of been part of our footprint. Several years ago with Ben's leadership and our leaders here at the club, we started uh, going green. Um, in fact, all of our statements are done electronically. We work very, very hard that our newsletters are electronically um, ben does an outstanding job with social media, but really in, inside the footprint of the building, we were already separating all, out all of our glass, our cardboard, our plastics, and all of that stuff. And so the idea um, really kind of came to fruition um, when the hefty energy uh, orange bag came to Omaha, Nebraska. And I remember sitting around the table with Ben and our owner, Julie Horrigan, and Ben said, hey, you know what, let's introduce introduced this here at the club. We're already doing it. Let's make some phone calls. So really it was a group effort. Ben took um, great leadership on it, um, made it happen. We uh, contacted our sanitation company, Papio Sanitation. They came out. But really the the biggest step besides us having recycled containers at our halfway houses and our restrooms and on our property, it was really what Ben did with our youth and junior programs having the uh, trash cans, the energy, uh, the orange trash cans at the pool. So I don't know if Ben wants to talk a little bit about how he made that happen. So when we worked with our uh, sanitation company and then also a recycling company here in Omaha, um, we we found out that there's a lot of things that can't be recycled. You know, they get to the recycling place and they end up just trashing them. They go to the landfill. Things like candy wrappers, chip bags, things like that that normally don't get recycled. Recycling companies don't want those. They want the, you know, certain types of plastic and cardboard are going to be their primary things that they want to recycle. So that's where we were kind of introduced to the orange energy bag program. And we found out, hey, with this orange bag, you know, you can recycle candy wrappers, which obviously at the pool there's kids eating candy, you know, like crazy out there. So being able to recycle candy wrappers, um, chip bags, straws are definitely a big one, um, foam-to-go boxes, all that kind of stuff um, were recycled. So what we did out at the pool, you know, we had our one bin, our waste bin, but then we also had a blue bin, which was for paper, uh, plastics, and um, cardboard. And then our orange bag listed everything else, like I said, candy wrappers, straws, lids, all that kind of stuff. So... So how did your members react to the change? Well, they reacted very, very positively. And that's the one thing that it was unbelievable. So our demographics here at the club, our average age is 48, but also, you know, we we have some members that have been here for 27 years and they're retired. 
And when we put this out in our newsletter and Ben put it out over all of our social media outlets, um, the, the reaction was phenomenal. You had, we had no idea how many members that were doing this stuff in their businesses. You know, maybe not the, the orange uh, hefty energy bag program, but were recycling at home in their private businesses. And when they came to the club, it was holy smokes. We're so proud of our club. Um, good for you guys. We can't wait to participate. But I think the thing that was really the most important was Ben's ability to kind of capture all of this in the form of a video, getting our, our junior programs, I mean, our swim programs. These kids, he put them on video. They had their own little uh, newscast where they communicated with their fellow, um, you know, uh, classmates and junior uh, um, partners, um, kind of what was going on. So our members were just ecstatic. We also had on uh, Earth Day in April of last year, we had uh, shirts that kind of talked about it going green. Our entire staff wore them. Um, in fact, we had members going, hey, can we get a shirt like that? Can we buy that shirt from you? So um, the response was, you know, it was, a, it was a 10 out of 10. And that's kind of when we unveiled the, you know, whole program in general was on Earth Day, which I believe it was on April 20th last year. And so that's when we kind of sent it out to the membership and let them know what we were doing. The cool thing about the trash cans, too, is we had um, custom bins made that actually indicated, hey, this is what you put in this bin. You know, that was always kind of the question is, what, what is recyclable and what isn't? And so we wanted to make it very clear cut. So we made custom trash bins that say, hey, in this bin, this is where your candy wrappers go. This is where chip bags go. In this bin is where your paper, you know, your, um, your compostables go. So... In addition to that program, you know, we also started moving to compostable products at the pool and just trying to minimize our, our plastic impact at the pool. That's awesome. And then, um, yeah, and then kind of going back to the communication aspect, you know, we used our kids to, they put on a whole newscast that said, hey, this is what we're doing, and we involved them a lot and uh, got them involved with the program. And also when we kicked off the season at the pool, you know, we sat all the kids down and kind of put them through the gauntlet of we, we threw a bunch of trash around. They had to figure out which ones went, went in which bins, and it kind of set that, uh, set that um, standard for the whole summer, like, hey, we're, it's cool to recycle. That's awesome. Were there any challenges to implementation? You know, really internally here, here at the club, um, you know, our staff already knew what our footprint was, and, you know, we're – we're an eco-friendly club. Like I said, we, we went green a long time ago um, with statements and online bill paying, the way we, we communicate with video and social media. So that kind of footprint was already put in place. The same thing goes the way we separate glass and cardboard. Um, you know, th there really wasn't a challenge. I think really the biggest challenge was we were, we were surprised. We were really surprised when it came to getting it into our our overall trash bin, when our sanitation company came and picked it up, we just miscalculated in the first two weeks. Um, we actually had our, our trash receptacles, our dumpsters, assigned for more traditional trash. We were kind of blown away. We went, holy smokes, we need to change our kind of pickup strategy because we had more stuff that were going into the blue trash cans, the traditional recycled, plus the orange, uh, the trash can. So really, it, it was a quick, easy fix, but initially that first couple of weeks we went, wow, we recycle way more than we thought we were going to. So other than that, it was, it was seamless, it was smooth, it was smooth and uh, that was the only big obstacle. 
One of the, the funny things that I kind of saw, too, over the course of the summer is, um, you know, once again, we had certain items that would go in the orange bins and certain items that go in the blue bins. And we'd actually have members be like picking through the trash cans because they saw a member throw something in the wrong one and they would move it to the, awesome. nice. the trash can. So not necessarily uh, um, a problem, but it was, you know, it's cool to see people take ownership of it and um, get excited about it. A little self-policing, that's important. I was going to say, that's, that's pretty right. awesome to kind of take that authority <laughs> and uh, make sure it gets in the right space. Exactly. So, you know, from, from your idea of fair entry, you're the first club in the U.S. to, to be doing this. Um, what would you say to another club management professional who wants to get started? What well, advice would you give? You know, yeah, I think the thing that I would say is, you know, Doing something is better than doing nothing. So certainly, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of clubs out there that are already doing it that are separating, you know, their cardboard, their glass, and their plastics. You know, as far as the orange, uh, hefty orange energy bag, that, that's really not every community just quite yet. I think just kind of looking at their website, they're now in Cobb County, Georgia, Boise, Idaho, and Omaha, Nebraska. Even, even if that is not, you know, something that they could do in their communities, they can still do the traditional um, recycling, but I would also encourage them in today's day and age, you know, just going green with, you know, newsletters and, and using social media and making online bill payments, um, you know, uh, an opportunity. That's gonna that's gonna help kind of get it get it going in the right direction. So I would do some internal policing. I would do some training with the staff, and if you're lucky enough or fortunate enough to have a guy like Ben Lorenzen on your staff, you can go and you know, educate kids and junior activities and, and obviously put some video and stuff together to go with it. So that would be my suggestion. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I think we definitely learned a lot and it's definitely applicable to lots of clubs around the country. Well, that wraps another great episode of Let's Talk Club Management. Episode 11. We're almost to a year, Melissa. Wow, I feel like we're going to have to do something really big for our anniversary edition. <laughs> yeah, I don't for, know what that is. anniversary edition. <laughs> Maybe we need to get a special guest. Well, we're definitely going to have some special guests. Uh, we're definitely going to have some great information. Obviously. That's yes, what we do. definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, qu- couple quick notes before we sign off for this month. Just a reminder that we are approaching April 1, which marks our mid-year uh, dues beginning um we do prorated dues for half the year so any new members that join the association between april 1 and august 31 uh, will pay half dues which is pretty it's a pretty great incentive especially for our student programs so student chapters if you're listening and you should be (laughs) if you want to pad your recruitment stats uh april is a great time to start doing that and if you are struggling with recruitment or worried about not meeting your membership requirements, start looking in April because, again, those dues are only half of what they would normally be. So definitely keep that in mind as we move forward. And as always, if you have questions about anything related to the association, the website, membership, advocacy, uh, education, certification, all that jazz, you know, please reach out to any one of us here at HQ. We're happy to talk to you and answer your questions. That's all I got, Melissa. That's it. That's a full episode. So thanks so much, and we'll talk to you next month. I'm Melissa Lowe. You're Kyle Jennings. Bye. Bye.